Welcome to Jays from Home, a podcast about the Toronto Blue Jays, hosted by two brothers. I'm the the first one, Steve. Actually, you're the last brother if you're if we're going in uh, chronological order because you're the youngest. I I am the second brother uh, because I'm the middle middle uh, child. My name is Matt. Yeah, and uh, and we we podcast about the Toronto Blue Jays. We're we're fans, although uh, you're wearing not a Blue Jays hat today. Well, it's 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 apparently it's National Hat Day. Well, maybe it's International Hat Day because yeah, I don't think it's just America that that uh, that uh, uh, celebrates. So I decided to wear. Um, I was I was coordinating with my shirt. There's some there's some my, my my plaid shirt has some black in it. So I was I'm wearing my my white socks hat today. Well, well, my hat is invisible today, so that's why you it appears that I'm not wearing one. Um, if if you have a favorite hat, maybe send us a, a tweet at Jays from Home and uh, and let us know what hat you wore uh, on International Hat Day because you'll be hearing this the day after. Well, I think um, after the podcast, I will be changing my hat. Because it's pretty cold outside, I'm gonna take the kids for a, a stroller nap walk, and I will be p- putting on uh, a toque. That's gonna be my second hat of the day. I see. I may wear one of those. I I, I don't only wear those on on the hat day though. Um, okay. Well, there are uh, there's a lot going on. We didn't expect to be back so soon, but there's uh, there's quite a bit of Blue Jays news overall. Um, Baseball news in general. But before we get there, I just wanted to 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 um, uh, talk about our, our guest who's coming up uh, later on in the show. Um, I interviewed uh, Dr. Paul Semendinger. Um, he has a book coming out uh, on April 11th called Roy White from Compton to the Bronx. He's a one of the all-time uh, gr- great Yankees. Um, I didn't know too, too much about Roy White, but uh, reading this book really opened my eyes. He's one of the best Yankees left fielders in, in the history of of, of that team. So uh, it's a really great interview. We talked about uh, Roy White. We talked about the Yankees. We talked about even even running a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, that, stay tuned to that. Uh, yeah. And a, a great name if he's writing about baseball and he has Dinger in his in his name. So uh, I suppose, I suppose. It, was Roy White a uh, big home run hitter? No, he was not. Um, we, we actually talk about how uh, Roy White, when he tried to be a home run hitter, it actually worked against him. So, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, 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 that was a, a really fun interview. Like it's always it's always great to talk baseball with 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 new people. So so yeah, stick around for that for sure. All right. Well, yeah, we'll get to that a little later in the episode. Well, why don't we mm-hmm. why don't we start things off? Um, where's a where's a good starting point here? Um, well, you know what? I just sent you just right under the wire here. I, I, I was checking uh, Twitter before we started, and the Jays have made a signing already um, because uh, today is uh, the start of international the international signing period, and uh, the Blue Jays have have found one one of their main guys. He's the number seven prospect in the top fifty international prospect list, Emmanuel Bonilla, and the Blue Jays agreed to apparently a four point one million dollar. Uh, deal, but it's uh, as of maybe about an hour ago, according to Jesse Sanchez uh, at Jesse Sanchez MLB, it's not confirmed. But uh, usually these de- deals are probably um, agreed to uh, in advance. Um, 
so yeah, that's great that the Jays locked up one of the guys that they're targeting. And and um, uh, Keegan Matheson sends out his weekly newsletter, and he was talking about that as well uh, earlier uh, this week. And he was saying that the Jays have a really good track record of signing international guys. Like uh, one of the one of the main guys on the team is an international signing, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and also one of their top prospects, Aurelvis Martinez, and then a guy who's kind of making some noise uh, and maybe could even uh, make the the Blue Jays this year, uh, Yasfer Zulueta of Cuba. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's that's something that I recall hearing in other interviews is just that the, the Blue Jays are really good on the international signing front. And I think the Dodgers were another team cited as a good example, although uh, the Dodgers do everything else pretty well. Uh, well, they well. I think they kind of invented or, or, or not invented but they, they they were one of the first uh teams to kind of get into that international um market but um why don't we start with our um home run no decision strikeout um if anybody is 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 I, I, I imagine we might get some some Yankees listeners uh, tuning into this podcast. Maybe what we should we haven't done this in a while. We, we explain what what these are. Like a strikeout is a negative, a no decision is a neutral or a positive, and a minus could be whatever or just something weird. Um, and a home run is pretty self explanatory. Home run is a, is a positive. So so yeah. do you have any in, anything to? Uh, talk about for the week no no decision i i tend to treat that sort of as as a positive that may be outweighed or, or balanced out by a negative or vice versa so uh um i i guess uh i uh i actually have one of the three this week i went with a no decision um it, it sounds like a negative when i write it out like that uh needs some moves to bolster the pitching staff um, I, I think now we'll, is that are you talking about the whole staff or starters or really the, the entire staff? Uh, I think we'll probably get into it uh, with the weekly poll, but um, I listed that as a as uh, as my no decision because um, I believe that well the positive part of that is that they've made a lot of moves in the in the off season um, and uh, I, that's that's a good thing, but I don't think that they've addressed everything that they need to in terms of the the pitching staff. So uh, that's that's where I'm I'm kind of neutral on it. Like they, I think they still need to make some moves to to make some changes, but um, but they have they have made a lot of positive moves over the off season. So that's good. And and to spin that on a positive, I don't think that any major moves are are, are needed. I, I think um, you know they you know some some starting pitching depth and and you know you can always have uh extra some 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 relievers on hand um but yeah I, I think that kind of ties into my no decision because my no decision is so close yet so far like i think this team is is just one or two moves away from being for lack of a better term a complete team um but you know it's just you know even even no matter how close they get uh, it's always a, a work in progress. There's injuries, random things happen, and also the season is just so far away. So, so you know, like even if they 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 make all the signings they're going to make, we still have to wait until the season starts or even preseason starts. So that's so that's why I'm saying it's so close yet so far. I see, I see. Um, okay, well, what else do you have? Because I don't well, have my, the my other strike- two. Okay, well, I'm going to go with my strikeout then. Um, all of the uh, arbitration, oh, a bunch of arbitration cases were, were were settled by the Jays, and one of the key guys who didn't settle was was Bo Bichette. Um, I guess yesterday was it yesterday that it was announced. Um, I guess eleven I out of so. the twelve uh, Blue Jays, um, I guess, are, are, came to terms uh, for in their arbitration cases, including 
uh, uh, I was going to say Teoscar Hernandez, including Vladdy. Uh, Vladdy signed a $14.5 million deal and basically almost like doubled his salary. Uh, but a, a bunch of guys uh, came to uh, agreement. Let me just go down the list here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, these, the, we're dealing with, with, with Google Pages now for our, our, our show notes and opening links differently than I'm used to. Okay, here we go. Uh, so 11 of 12 uh, Blue Jays uh, agreed with uh, agreed to arbitration settlements, I guess you could say. So we had Vladdy, Jordan Romano, uh, Danny Jansen, Adam Simber, Dalton Varsho, Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, Tim Meza, Trevor Richards, Eric Swanson, and Trent Thornton, they all agreed to deals. Uh, I guess it was Friday, by the Friday deadline. Um, so that that that's good that they, they all came to agreement. But one of the one of the kind of glaring absences on that list is Bo Bichette. Um and and just Twitter fans are kind of jumping on him for for not settling uh, or coming to an agreement with the Jays. And and it's it's his decision. He can you know he can go to the arbitration uh, trial and 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 you know. Uh, plead his case for for more money and and that's that's his his right to do and you know people are uh you know uh were may, might be worried that the jays are, are gonna like badmouth bobachette and it's gonna create bad blood between the two but i think i think these days teams are smarter than that um they 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 know not to kind of alienate uh the the player for for like over like Sometimes it's as close as, as yeah. This, this isn't a player lockout we're talking about here. No, no, no. This, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, but you know, like the the Bobichet will plead his case, or his agent will plead his case as to why he deserves. Uh, I think he's he's asking for. I think it's is it maybe it's either six point five or seven point five million dollars, and the Blue Jays will plead their case, and they're 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 going to say, oh, he doesn't deserve this money, but they have to do it in a I think in a tactful way, so they don't they don't like I said alienate the player, and I think teams are smart enough to realize that. They uh, they they don't want to uh, you know, <laughs> hurt their pl- the players' feelings because or, or bruise their ego. So yeah, so and and I, I think, think it's it's okay that he wants to go to arbitration. I think the other other thing as well is that um, uh, I saw something briefly like on a previous uh, arbitration or something. The Blue Jays offered something higher than what Bobichet ended up actually getting. Can't remember when that was or what the number was. Yeah, I saw something about it. it was the point is, is that, that the you know the teams, the the team in the past has offered uh, you know reasonable deal, and Bichette just ended up taking something lower. And I think it's just you know he it sort of reminds me of uh, the the Kachuk situation in the NHL where uh, both Which Matthew Kachuk? and Matt both the Matthew and Brady they. Uh, you know they they hold out for what they think that they're worth, and well, not that they hold out, but like they uh, they don't just sign uh, whatever deal that comes across. It's not just about negotiation uh, that most players go through. It, it takes a little longer with them. So I, I think maybe Bichette is that type of player where he 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 doesn't you know, and and I don't think he's the only player like this. Like the they they just want uh, they they don't. They want to see what uh, what they can get out of arbitration to see if they can get more, and they or maybe they just disagree. Or they believe with they're worth more. The the valuation uh, that they get from the team. So I don't think that's really out of the ordinary. And I, I think some some fans and Twitter people are are just they're, they 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 want to they want to jump on Bobachet. Bobachet is 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 kind of like the the uh, the, the scapegoat for the uh, now that now that. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez and 
and and Lourdes Gabriel Jr. are gone. Bobachet's going to be the scapegoat for 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 Twitter fans. I I, I worry, but he and he and undeservedly so, you know. Yeah. Uh. Well, that we were seeing that last year too. Um. I I yeah. don't I I think uh, I think most fans will be uh, pretty happy to see him traded. Um. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's not going to happen. That's not. I think he's the most of the group that's on the team. I think he's the most likely to be traded first, but I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. No way, no way. He's the most likely to be traded first. He's they're going to hold on to him as long as they can. That that. I'm well, that's gonna, what I mean. Like, I disagree with you. He's, that he's, he's probably going to consider trading him. He's probably the the only player that they might not be able to hold on to if if there's deal you know issues coming down to money or whatever but um, well Vladi's gonna 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 um command a lot of dollars in the in the open market if he gets that far yeah so anyway <laughs> um yeah so that's that's uh that's where i'm 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 going with that i don't know i don't i haven't really landed on uh i i, I wouldn't call that uh yeah the the fan reaction is a is a strikeout but uh the whole situation is itself a, it's kind of neutral on it well no i'm not i'm talking about the fan reaction though but yeah so let, let's get to my home run now let's let's get let's get to a, a a different topic um talking about our speaking of our interview guest um baseball books is my home run because they because they keep me sane during the off season i i'm i'm right now um i am currently reading two baseball books uh concurrently i am reading um a book called dalco about a, a pitcher named steve delkowski who uh his 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 arm is is, is legendary i guess uh, but he never actually made the major leagues. He had, he had some people thought that he had like the the hardest throwing. Uh, he was one of the hardest throwing pitchers in 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 history, and this was back in like the the early '60s. So that's saying something. Um, and they could never really properly measure his arm. But uh, he, I'm I'm about maybe a third of the way through it. Maybe I'm not sure exactly. But uh, he never made the major leagues because he just had some other problems. Like he he just. He couldn't get he he couldn't throw his strikes all the time. He walked a lot of guys. That, that's a pretty important part of being a pitcher, I'd say. Yeah, and and yeah, he had some also just mental issues, like he has some alcohol problems and things like that. So I'm and but I'm I'm only like I said, like I'm 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 no nowhere near halfway through the book. So I'm curious how his story unfolds because it, I'm at, I'm at a point now where it's it's seeming pretty evident, like just by injury that he wasn't he's not gonna wasn't gonna pitch uh, in in baseball again. So it's, it's it's an interesting story. And the other book that I am actually rereading, um, and you've I think you've already finished this as well is. Um, Oh, I'm, I'm, and I didn't even write this down. I didn't write down the t- t- title of it. Um, I am reading. Let me just pull it up in my book here. I am reading. Uh, where are we here? Sorry, my stuff isn't cooperating with me here. I am reading the Astros cheating scandal book by Evan Drellick. Um, let's see where I can find it here. It is called uh, Winning Fixes Everything. There you go. Um, so I, I, I'm rereading that. Uh um, because, uh, well, well, I'm not going to tease that just yet, but, uh, I'm, I'm rereading We're, it. Yeah, we, we, we both read it. Um, I read it before, I don't know, what is it? October, November, whatever. Um, but, uh, I, I am not going to join you in rereading that. I read it once. That's enough for me. I'm, but yeah, it's, it's keeping me sane during the off season. I'm kind of reading I'm, on my reread. I'm kind of taking it as I'm kind of, um, uh, reading it like, like it's a, 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 a mystery detective no- novel from the from the 40s I'm, that's, that's how I'm, I'm looking at it now I see. Um, 
so but but yeah it's just interesting to to kind of um it's it's a really great story and a really great read it's coming out on on um valentine's day february 14th so uh, i recommend uh, people go check it out because it is a really fascinating look into this scandal and, and other other uh, other aspects of that it's not just the cheating scandal that uh, that uh, factored into it so it's, it's a really great book and 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 it, it is keeping me sane um we have the next book on my list um i think i'm gonna we i'm gonna read the new uh, gibby book uh, which is not out yet but we we managed to get our hands on a copy of it so i think that's my next baseball read is, is gibby's new book yeah i i started reading that one but uh, i'm reading other stuff uh, there's uh, only so much baseball that i can i can read about so there's not enough baseball that i can read about um okay so what else uh, we got have uh we have some blue jays news uh, well, I let's think go that's the mainly the reason why we came back yeah, well, let's go to the weekly poll. Speaking of Blue Jays news, um, so what do the Blue Jays need to add to their roster before the start of spring training? And you were getting to this. Uh, you, you you said just some pitching help. I think they need to add another, uh, at least a, like another starting pitcher. They need some some pitching starting pitching depth for me to feel more comfortable um, that they can be a contender, a uh, World Series contender. Because you know uh, we we saw last year how how the wheels kind of fell off. Early on, even with with uh, Jose Barrios uh, not not meeting expectations and uh, Kikuchi just not pitching well down the down down the stretch, so I think they just you know if if those two guys can can turn their uh, fates around compared to last year, then the Blue Jays are in a much better position. Even Mitch White needs he needs he needs to 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 kind of find his inner Ross Stripling and 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 be that sort of guy. But I, I, I just if, if those three guys can can live up to the expectations and the, the needs from from this team, then I think the Blue Jays will be will be OK. But I would feel more comfortable with another starting pitcher. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, a lot of ifs in your, in your statements. Um, well, that's, that's exactly, that's, that's not a, that's not a good thing. Um, I, I voted for bullpen help. Um, is that, I, I think, yes, yeah, I'm not really a fan of the starting pitching, but, um, I, I think I'd be more comfortable with so-so starting pitching on the back end if they had, uh, um, some, some solid bullpen arms because, uh, even, even the ones that had good years, Last year, there's especially with the bullpen. I mean, I guess there's no guarantee that the that they're gonna uh, continue that. Plus, we saw there were points in the year where they weren't exactly uh, the greatest. I mean, there was also that that last game the bullpen didn't do such a great job. That's true. Um, and you mean the last game of this of, uh, in the playoffs? Um, the, the thing yes. about bullpen, though, is no matter how well you plan out your bullpen, it can just implode on you, and there's nothing there's nothing that you can do about it. A, a bullpen can just be bad for for just luck reasons, for randomness, because you know because an earthquake happened halfway across the the, the world. So the, the bull, they no should just treat it like a video game and trade for all the highest rated bullpen relievers and and. Uh, you know, there's there's no salary cap, so they they can afford it, and they'll tra- trade away all their all their prospects. Yeah, the other the other options on the on the on the um, in the poll were uh, outfielder, and they've got all they need. So outfielder and bullpen help were tied, but most people I think are, are in the same boat as me, thinking you know another starter on the rotation uh, would would feel would 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 make this season feel a lot better to start off. And the thing is. In, like I said, bull, bullpens are, are are very volatile, and you you have to be careful about um, relying on the bullpen early on in the season, especially because you can just wear them out. Yeah, 
Uh, and I guess that's why is it still a rule this year where um, they have an extra uh, like for the first couple of months of the season or something, they have an extra roster spot basically for pitchers. Mm, I don't think so. I think that was a last year thing because of the uh, coming out of the, the, the pen, the pandemic a little bit and also coming out of the, uh, having the shortened, uh, spring training, uh, because of the, the, the owner's lockout. Uh, so I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the, the, the weekly poll. Uh, we did have a pretty, uh, significant, although he wasn't a, he's not going to, he's not going to be the, the star of this team, I don't think, but there was a significant signing, uh, by the Jays earlier in the week. Uh, Brandon Belt. Uh, signed a one-year deal with the Jays. Yeah, uh, and uh, he is what? Um, hang on a second. So he's he's, he's going to be. So they're saying, I guess he's going to be primarily a, a designated hitter. Yeah, and uh, he can play first base. So if so if Vladdy needs a day off or just to just to get off his feet in DH, he can provide that help. And uh, yeah, he's a left-handed bat. Um, he had a, he had a. Injury shortened year last year with his, I guess it was his, I think it was his knees that were, or, or one of his knees that was a problem. But the, before that, he had a, some pretty uh, monster seasons in 2020 and 2021. So, um, yeah, Ben Nicholson Smith says, uh, Brandon Belt in the tweet, he says, Brandon Belt says, cartilage issues with his knee caused swelling last year, impacting his game to the point that he underwent surgery in September. Now he feels amazing. Um, and he says, I can honestly say it's the best I've felt in two to three years. I know I'm going to go out and be who I am. So, yeah, he, he had some pretty uh, monster years. That 2021 season for San Francisco, he was a big part of that. Uh, their, their 107 win uh, division winning uh, team team there. I see. Well, that's that's good. Um, although I, I also wouldn't expect a, a player to uh, undersell himself uh, signing with a new team and <laughs> trying to get more well, money. but. Speaking of medical reports and all that 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 stuff, it, that that seems to be the 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 buzzword this year is, is medicals and 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 uh, be, before signings. <laughs> so so um, I think that the Jays are, are are as comfortable with Brandon Belt uh, Belt's health as 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 he is uh, enthusiastic about his own health. Well, so, as long as they uh, they don't tighten the the belt too much uh, and keep him loose, um, I guess basically it sounds like it's a a low risk high reward like he's not going to be an everyday player so it's not like they're counting well, on him he, to be he's gonna be he's gonna the best. No, here's the thing he's gonna you're gonna see a lot of them um maybe not against left-handed pitching so much but he's he's gonna be there to to, to support flatty he's also gonna be there to um take some uh you know some some he's gonna support kirk as well because kirk did a lot of uh, dh'ing um, last year when he wasn't catching, and that really um, hurt him in the second half of last year as far as, um, you know, his, his batting average and thing. He, he became just a, a regular uh, player at best. Uh, so so with with Brandon Belt DHing, it means that uh, Kirk will get some uh, some days off and, and he will be more refreshed and be able to more focus on catching and hitting. So, so he's, he, he's, <clears throat> he's giving the Jays some some options for rest. And I think what this means is if, if um, George Springer can stay healthy, we'll, we'll see him on the field a lot more than we thought. Probably. Sounds like it. Well, I guess that's also why he's gotten moved over to um, uh, right, field. right field. So yeah. Kimmerer is going to be patrolling center, but there's, there's, I, I like just all the options that uh, this lineup has. There's a lot of, uh, 
ways you can move the parts around and have a really strong um, lineup every day. So I, I, I like this move a lot for the Jays. Um, one of the downsides is that they had to DFA Julian Merriweather to make room. So farewell, Julian Merriweather. Uh, we didn't see a lot, a lot of him uh, last year or in general, but uh, he, he did show some promise, some brief promise, but uh, he had to be DFA to make room for the roster for Brandon Belt. And Julian Merriweather was the last remaining player uh, from that Josh Donaldson trade with, with I guess it was Cleveland uh, back in 2018. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, it w- uh, just before we get to that, because there's uh, something I think related to that that we want to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, just you mentioned the options of the lineup. I guess that uh, that's one of the things that I think is is something to look forward to is that uh, one of the the several things that has been said about the Blue Jays over the last three years, um, especially with uh, um, Charlie Montoyo, I know he's not the manager anymore, but uh, especially with the bullpen, I guess, uh, is that there's a lack of options for the team to to try and, and field the best team available. So, you know, with, with more options, the, that kind of excuse is gone. So we can see, hopefully... Um, can't remember uh, our, our manager's uh, name right now. Um, John Schneider. Yeah, there we go. John Schneider. Hopefully, uh, with all the options available to him, uh, he's able to uh, to play around with the lineup and, and make changes that he might not have otherwise had uh, had available to him. Yeah, so more, more versatility is going to make this a stronger team for sure. Uh, yeah, so um, like I said, uh, Julian Merriweather was the last remaining player for the in the Josh Donaldson trade. Um, we, we, we said last week that uh, Drew Hutchison signed with the Jays. And you sent me an interesting article because uh, Drew, Hutch, Drew Hutchison uh, has a pretty interesting and important uh, trade tree uh, for the yeah. Jays. It's, yeah. Why, why don't you talk about that a little? Well, bit? the the article was uh, uh, where did it come from? Let me just click through on the from... link here. Uh, BlueJaysNation.com. Okay. Um, okay. I, I I wouldn't say so. It's, it's called it the best trade tree in Blue Jays history. So maybe no, that's. I don't know. Uh, well, if that's the best, then I, I guess that could mean that it's uh, there's not much to choose from. But maybe it's it's the best in that it's uh, it's probably the 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 most uh, deep rooted tree. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, there's there's some hockey trade trees that are are long reaching, um, it, but they're more related to draft picks and such. But um, so it started with uh, when Drew Hutchinson was traded from the Blue Jays. So uh, that got them Francisco Liriano, Reese McGuire, and Harold Ramirez. Um, mm. That's oh, okay. I'm uh, reading it in in the order that you have it. No, on the no, notes, no. That's so. what he netted the Jays. He, he, oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, hang on a second. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not going through the whole article because uh, someone yeah. people can read it. Uh, but um, but yeah. Th- so they got Teoscar Hernandez uh, through Francisco Liriano and um, Nori Aoki. Remember him? Remember him? Not no. not really. I'm just no. going through the the highlights. So okay. okay. Um, I mean, I guess. I guess in a way, it's not really a highlight, but uh, Zach Collins for Reese McGuire. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, in turn, turned into Eric Swanson and Adam Mako. 
Um, I, I guess the the article is the best way to to go through it is to read the article. Like there's there's a whole bunch of connecting dots and lines. Yeah. Maybe put um, a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just interesting to see how how like he was like I said last week. I think he was the starting pitcher in 2015 or 2016 for the 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 opening day uh, pitcher. And and yeah, they they they. It's it's just funny how how far back these these trades can can really reach. Um, so yeah, it's just, just a really interesting kind yeah, of, kind of look back. And you sent me, um, a, a subway or transit map version of the trade tree. And I find the it a little tree, confusing yeah. to read, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to look at. Uh, someone, mm-hmm. someone took their time putting that together. I don't think it's just the, uh, the Drew Hutchinson. It looks like it's a roster no, it's tree in general. The whole roster, the whole roster. Yeah. It's called the roster tree. And I, I'm, I should have, I should have really credited who, uh, put this together because I, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, oh, my at minor underscore leaguer did this one on Twitter. So yeah, it's just, it's a really good, good diagram to show like where everybody came from. Like for instance, Barrios, um, he was traded for Simeon Woods Richardson and, uh, what's his name? Martin. Um, and so Austin. It's, yeah, Austin Martin. There you um, go. yeah. And, and actually the, the other part of it too is, uh, is that, um, and Woods Richardson was traded for for Marcus Stroman. It's like it it's almost back. like one of those one of those uh, like net positive trades because by trading blue, uh, blue Drew Hutchinson away uh, and they got all these players and, uh, and whatnot and then signing Drew Hutchinson at the end of it they basically got a whole bunch of free players is is what it uh, works out to. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's how that works, but anyways. Um, so yeah, we got to, we talked about the, uh, arbitration agreements and settlements and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, next, uh, there's just some, some former Blue Jay news, uh, JP Aaron Sevia, remember him? Uh, he was named bench coach for the Syracuse Mets. So his, he, he ended his career, I think a few years ago and he's been broadcasting. Uh, but, uh, now he, yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know that he's been broadcasting recently. Yeah, and now now he's the bench coach for the Syracuse Mets. So it's always like catchers always get a lot of coaching jobs. So so, so you know, good to see him continue his career. I wasn't, you know, he didn't, and it, things didn't end well with the Jays. They started very well with the Jays. He had, I think, a home run in his first at bat. Uh, but it's nice to see, uh, nice to see him uh, find find uh, work in the game. Um, let's see here. Um, I see you're adding some notes already. There's well, some, I, I'm just moving from... a note because yeah, yeah. it's okay. – uh, uh, well, you know, what? We're, if you're talking about um, about coaches, uh, uh, what I added was uh, I saw today Russell Martin is going to be a coach with uh, Team Canada for the World Baseball okay. Classic. Um, also, a- Abraham Toro uh, was re- recently announced to the team as well as a, as a player. Uh, he's an infielder. Uh, he was traded recently, I think, from Seattle to uh, – Maybe Boston. I'm not. I forget where he got traded to. Uh, they, they they got Colton Wong out of the deal though. Uh, maybe it was Cincinnati. I'm not sure. Anyways, but uh, what, what, did they say what Russell Martin would be like coaching? Like what his position would be? Or no, I just clicked through. It was a, a Twitter link. It just mentioned that he was uh, looking forward to working with all the all the players in the spring, um, but that he would be, uh, I think, a coach. So probably like maybe a bench coach or or maybe hitting or. Defensive, okay. something, some other, some kind of coach. He will coach. Um, yeah. So there was there are a couple more kind of minor deals. The Jays signed Jay Jackson to a minor league deal. Don't know too much about him. They also made a trade with the Pirates. They acquired Zach Thompson for Chavez Young, 
uh, and Junior Fernandez, who was claimed on waivers last week. Um, I, I'm glad they got Junior, not Senior. He might be uh, a little uh, over the hill. Yeah, I guess so. And then the fi- the last little bit of Jay's related news is that, uh, interestingly, Don Mattingly was named advisor to the Nashville Stars baseball group. So I guess that pretty much means that if they are awarded an expansion team, he will be their manager. I guess he's the manager in waiting for for Nashville. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but at, at, at the moment, that really doesn't mean anything for his job with the Blue Jays. Cause, uh, no, it doesn't affect the job with the Blue Jays, no. That's just um, the 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 Nashville Stars getting organized to try and put in a bid for expansion if that happens, I guess. Well, I hope it doesn't happen at the expense of the Montreal Expos <laughs> expansion bid, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But that's just ex- exciting. Um, I guess we're we're still a few a few years at least away from even thinking about uh, adding some expansion teams. But I think the owners know that if they add some new teams, they will get some billion dollar paychecks coming their way. Um, yep, and that's always why leagues prefer expansion versus moving a team. Well, yeah, so I wonder what's going to happen with Oakland. I think with Oakland and Tampa, both of those teams are just going to end up getting new stadiums. That's what's going to happen. Um, and then and then they're going to expand two more teams. And Nashville sounds like a they, – they, they sound like they're putting together a pretty good bid for a team, and that would be a, a fun city to go watch baseball in. Um, so um, here the other big bit of news that came in – was the, Carlos Correa finally signed with the team? He signed with the Twins for a six-year, two hundred. I, I wrote two hundred dollars. It's two hundred million dollar contract. Uh, <laughs> well, two hundred dollars might be uh, more accurate to what uh, with his injury problems and, and inability to sign with teams. Maybe a six-year, two hundred dollar contract is uh, uh, the the Twins hedging their bets. Uh, that would be hedging, all right. It, 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 uh, an underpay to say the least. Uh, but I guess. Um, how it works out is he'll make more money with the Twins in the first six years of the deal compared to the Mets. Um, the deal, deal includes options for $25 million in 2029, $20 million in 2030, $15 million in 2031, $10 million in 2032, each becoming guaranteed if Correa has 502 or more plate appearances in the previous season. Uh, so the deal could be worth $225 million over seven seasons, $245 million over eight and $260 million over nine seasons. So that's, I'm, I'm glad that we finally have some, uh, some, I guess, uh, what's the word? Just closure. I, I'm, closure. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. I'm glad we finally have uh, some closure. And I, I, I put up a bonus weekly poll. Not a lot of people really answered. So there's no point in, yeah, in I didn't focusing on this, this one. too, too much, but um, I'm just curious who people thought was at fault for, this whole thing dragging on as long as it did. Like, cause Carlos Correa last year fired his agent and hired Scott Boris. Uh, Scott Boris, you know, is negotiated, I think, I guess three contracts <laughs> this off season for Carlos Correa. Uh, Steve Cohen kind of botched the, the, the negotiations. Uh, we're not negotiations, but he just, he just, he botched protocol, I guess you could say by, by commenting publicly about the contract before it was official or, or just is everyone to blame? I, I I don't know. I, I thought maybe I thought maybe just Carlos Correa firing his agent uh, last year might have just st- started this whole ball rolling to where we are now because he could be you know like he could have signed uh, the Detroit Tigers last year um, had an offer out to him he could have made more money with the Detroit Tigers uh, if he'd signed there instead of Minnesota so it's it's it's, it's just a big mess and who knows. Uh, who's, well, who's maybe the, the best way to, I, I guess there's only four options available on Twitter polls. Maybe the answer is yeah. uh, everyone and no one is to blame. I guess so. Um, yeah. So 
the other big bit of news I thought was that um, they announced um, that all AAA ballparks are going to use the electronic uh, strike zone. So that, that's pretty interesting. So I think that means that it's probably coming to MLB soon. Um, half of the AAA games will be played with all the calls determined by electronic strike zones, and the other half will have a challenge system similar to you, the, the way they use, I guess, in professional tennis. And per, yeah, personally, I, I like the, the the challenge system better. I'm surprised that something like this hasn't been implemented in uh, the Frontier League. Uh, I don't think cause... they have the technology for it. I don't think they have the yeah. money for it. Yeah, I see. Um, they they did it in the Arizona Fall League. But I, I really think that uh, the challenge system is, is is the way to go because you can still have umpires calling balls and strikes, but you know they have like you know three or five challenges per game or whatever for for a, a missed call, and I think that's the way to go. I think if they want to challenge the call, they should still have the manager come out and yell at the umpire, but just very loudly say, "I want to challenge the call," and then or, uh, or, managers can yeah. still feel good about uh, getting mad at uh, balls and strikes. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, once they run out of challenges, they can. That's when they can start arguing. <laughs> um, and some here's some some news for um, uh, Jay's rivals, the the Red Sox. It was announced that Trevor Story underwent right elbow surgery. He's going to miss significant time, like four to six months, kind of thing. Um, it's a modified Tommy John surgery, so that's not good news for the Red Sox. Well, I, I don't quite understand what uh, modified means, but I guess that just means that he's not going to miss. Uh, as long, uh, as much time as if uh, a pitcher went under unmodified Tommy John surgery? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I I have it linked to Twitter, uh, to a tweet that I'm not signed into Twitter on my iPad here. But it's it's just a yeah a different a, a less invasive version of the Tommy John surgery that requires slightly less recovery time for like I said four to six months. Usually it's closer to like a, a full year for. Recovery for for full time. Regular well, Ryu is not going to be back until what July is what we said. So that's the yeah exactly. So but it's uh, you know I I was thinking before before this news came out I was thinking oh you know maybe the maybe the, who knows like are the Red Sox going to be better than the Orioles? But I think now this kind of puts them at the bottom of the division uh, as far as their their their, their uh, prospects for next year. Uh, okay. Um, well, this one is uh, something I sent your way because I just happened to see it first. Um, it's not really baseball news, but it's on the business side. The the Cubs are switching their beverage provider at the at Wrigley Field to Coca Cola from uh, from Pepsi. Apparently, um, Pepsi is a relatively short uh, or recent deal that they had. So it's forty uh, years, I think they said. Yeah, so I think before that, Coca Cola was uh, was the the beverage provider on the field. But um, th- there was something in the article that said um, that it was really just about uh, switching the beverage provider. Uh, I don't I don't think they're switching up all signage necessarily. Um, but I, it, I have no idea. There's some well, there are some details, but. Uh, it, the you can find the article on the the sports business journal i'm not going to link this one cuz it's it's just uh it's just business news it's not all that interesting but uh it's just just something that came across my feed so to speak you know what if if they're not going to change the the, the signage that's good because i thought that the pepsi logo really coordinated better with the cubs logo the red white and blue in the circle i i i thought that that was a better match aesthetically for the for the cubs well, I, I suppose they are going to um, going to change some branding because, according to this article, um, the Pepsi deal included uh, some branding around the batter's eye at Wrigley. 
Um, oh, but it does okay. say assets which were not included in the Coca-Cola deal. So uh, I'm, who knows? Maybe they're just going to um, go with a different um, a, a different uh, logo or something at uh, in the batter's eye because they're not they're they're not going to keep uh, Pepsi as a the logo there or Coca-Cola no. wouldn't accept that. No. Anyways, but yeah, that's that that was interesting little tidbit. So 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 uh, cola will taste slightly different. Or unless people just fail the Pepsi challenge. I don't know. Um, Just some minor signings here to talk about. Uh, Nelson Cruz signed a one-year, $1 million deal with the Padres. Um, And he'll also uh, serve as uh, the GM for the Dominican Republic team in the World Baseball Classic. So that's interesting. Uh, Johnny Cueto signs with the Marlins. Interesting thing about that signing is that a lot of people are saying that because they signed... Johnny Cueto, a pitcher, they're going to trade away Pablo Lopez. So, so there's lots of rumors about Pablo Lopez going to different teams. And well, who, uh, who's Pablo Lopez? I don't. Uh, he's a starting pitcher one. for the for the Marlins. Um, and then finally, I think one of my kind of all time favorite players in the past like ten or fifteen years is, is Andrew McCutcheon. He re-signed with the uh, Pirates on a one year deal. So that's 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 good. Um, I guess the. Um, Twins and the Mets uh, offered him a similar deal, but uh, the Pirates guaranteed him more uh, playing time. Uh, so that's that's great. Um, and then another um, kind of signing that came under the wire is uh, Trey Mancini signed, I think yesterday, a two-year deal uh, with uh, the Cubs. I see. Uh, former former Oriole. I don't remember where he went. Uh, he was he traded went to, uh, to Houston. Houston. He got traded to Houston. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remembered something. Oh. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, and then, and then finally, as far as the news goes, um, it was announced earlier in the week that Liam Hendricks was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So that's that's some bad news. I guess maybe that's subconsciously why I'm wearing my White Sox hat. So I'll, I'll say that my White Sox hat is, is to support Liam Hendricks, former Blue Jay as well. Um, so there is some optimism that he could be back pitching uh, before the year is over. So let's just hope that he uh, recovers fully and, and wish him well and hope to see him back soon. All right. Uh, well, that that I think that wraps up uh, the the news that we have here, according to my list. So why don't we look ahead yeah. for the Blue Jays? There's actually something in the notes here. Yeah. Well, um, February sixteenth, other than it being uh, my wedding anniversary, um, is uh, the day that pitchers and catchers uh, report to uh, spring spring training, and so we'll look ahead to that day. Um, and I guess the first full squad workout will be on February twenty first. Um, and going back a little bit, all and all uh, players participating in the WBC uh, will report a few days early, uh, beginning with pitchers and catchers on February thirteenth. So that's something to look forward to. What's what's today's date? Today is the fifteenth. So we're less than a month from there. We're we're, we're getting there. I, we, I can almost see it. I can almost <laughs> hear the, the 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 seagulls and the and the wind and the and the 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 sound of of. of of baseballs well you know we're getting close when uh, i i happen to see on the tv guide uh that uh one i think amc was showing major league so uh the the tv channels are are getting uh antsy about baseball well i certainly am um okay well now let's 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 throw to our uh my interview with uh dr paul semendinger about roy white um he has a book coming out uh, april 11th roy white from compton to the bronx um so yeah here it is it's a great talk Singing la 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 out in Monument. 
welcome to JS from Home, Dr. Paul Sevendinger. This is a, a great honor to to meet you for the very first time. Um, let's, I guess, start out with just maybe give us a background on on your, your yourself as a baseball fan and I guess as an author as well. Sure. Hey, it's great to have, be here, Matt, and I'm I'm glad you invited me onto your program. It's uh, it's always an honor to have an opportunity to talk with great people like yourself. So thank you well, thank very you. much. Thank you. So um. Yep, I became a baseball fan in 1977. I became a Yankees fan, and my favorite story about that was the World Series in 1977. The Yankees, of course, were playing the Dodgers. I was nine years old, Mm -hmm. and my mom and dad were both teachers. My dad had back-to-school night, and so I was watching uh, the game with my mom. And I was a little kid in their school the next day, obviously. And my dad came home and it was somewhat late. And he said, we got to get Paulie to bed. And my mom said, let him stay up. The Yankees are about to win the World Series. <laughs> so my mom was the one who advocated. My dad's the biggest Yankee or biggest baseball fan in the world. He's actually a Red Sox fan. Oh, but um, uh, it was my mom who advocated for me to get to stay up and watch the Yankees win. And after Reggie hit the third home run and then the Yankees all swarmed down the field and well, the fans swarmed down the field, I had tears coming down my face. And they were the first time I ever knew about tears of joy. I was just so happy for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. And, and after that, they hooked me. So, uh, um, and, you know, I grew up, I became a school teacher, and then I became a school administrator. I was a principal for 24 years, and I just retired at the end of last year so I could spend more time doing other great things. I had a great and fantastic career. Um, and, you know, now, I, now I'm a writer, and I've been a writer for a while. I've written a wonderful novel. It's called Scattering the Ashes. Won a number of awards. There's a lot of baseball mm-hmm. in that story. Then I wrote a Yankees book called The Least Among Them, which uh, came out last year. That sounded like a really good, uh, interesting book when I was reading your your your, your bio and everything. Like, it's, I guess it's just about all the Yankees who only appeared in one game, I think it was? Yes, it was. Yeah, so, so a totally unique look at the Yankees. And then I took each player and I extrapolated different stories based upon something that happened in their game. To tell a bigger picture about the history of the base, uh, history of baseball, or history of the Yankees, and as you know, I've just uh, finished my work with Roy White, former Yankee left fielder, one of the Yankee greats, and wrote his autobiography with him, and that's coming out in April. It's called From Compton to the Bronx. Yeah, looking forward to to seeing that in print. Uh, April 11th, I think, is the date that at least Amazon is telling me. Um, it's fun- yes. <clears throat> it's funny, like you, 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 your, your baseball. Kind of journey started out with the World Series, as did mine. When I was 12 years old, watching the Blue Jays win their first World Series, that's kind of like when I when when my my eyes opened to the baseball world. So it's it's uh, it, that, I think that's how it works for most kids. I, I just wrote something like that. I have a Yankee site called Start Spreading the News, and you know when you're a Yankees fan and you haven't won a World Series since 2009, you know you start to bemoan the fact that the Yankees aren't winning World Series every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but <laughs> basically I made the point that most of us become fans when the team wins. That's usually everybody's story, right? Like I fell in love with the team when they were winning the World Series. And my worry is the Yankees could be losing out on a generation of fans if they don't start winning. Well, maybe Aaron Judge's milestone season kind of caught the the eyes of lots of youngsters. Um, but I want to ask you about Roy White. That's why you're here. Why Roy White? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Roy White was one of the great Yankees, and he came up in the mid-60s. His first year in the major leagues was 1965. That was the first year that the Yankees dynasty was over. 
played with the Yankees through 1979. So he was the only player who was a Yankee for the entire decade of the 1970s. Uh, Finally was on those great Yankee teams when I was a kid. Funny story about Roy White is I became a Yankees fan, I think primarily because these two older teenage kids across the street, Italian boys who were very cool, um, were big Yankee fans and they influenced me a lot. If I grew up during the age of happy days <laughs> and these two boys were like Fonzie, they were the coolest guys around and they lived right by me and their favorite player was, was Roy White. My sister's older than me, so she then immediately gravitated to Roy White. So my favorite player became Greg Nettles. But I've always had an admiration, obviously, of Roy White, one of the great Yankees. And um, he had never had his autobiography written. Nobody had ever written his autobiography. And the truth of the matter is he'd been approached many times by the New York beat writers and big-time sports writers and things like that. But, you know, those guys wanted to write a book and have Roy White tell all the dirty dark secrets right like uh tell, tell us about george steinbrenner and billy martin and reggie tell us you know that's mm-hmm. that's you know mm-hmm. that's what people seem to want and i don't think roy white ever wanted to write that kind of book so i approached him and said i'll write your story the way you want it told um it's your book it's your autobiography so if you want to tell stories you can tell stories and if you'd rather not tell stories then you don't have to like it's going to be your story told the way you want it to be told and there's no need for us i'm not looking to be the type of author who digs up dirt and tells stories outside of school mm-hmm. and i think he appreciated that and that's how we sort of came together and that's what we did yeah and he really was kind of a uh, an anchor amongst just diff- a lot of different eras of, of Yankees baseball. And, and he got to see and witness just everything. He's, he's, he's the, the storyteller of the Yankees for, for a generation. Correct. Correct. And a beloved uh, player by the fans. As you know, when I, when you read the book, I had uh, ancillary chapters from other people who worked with him as players or, um, executives and Ray Negron, who's a Yankee executive, talks about growing up how he was the guy that all the kids in the neighborhood looked up to. Everybody wanted to be Roy White. So, right, he he was and he is the only guy, as I say, who played from the mid 60s and then throughout the entire decade of the 70s as a Yankee. So he had a perspective of Yankees history that no one else have has or had. Yeah, it's true. Um, now, you mentioned his a lot of teammates and, and former uh, key figures in his life uh, writing chapters in the book. Why was it important to share their perspective? As an author, I thought it was would be it would make the book much more interesting and, and just be a little bit different. Like I said before, with the least among them, I always at the end of each chapter, I told a different story about baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm writing a book about running right now. And I think it's just sort of my my style. Um, I have ancillary chapters about things that relate to running that don't necessarily fit into the general narrative of of the story that I'm writing. So I just think it's a nice approach. It's it takes a it it just it, it sort of breaks up the flow in a way, but I think it adds to the flow. Like this is what I saw, and this is some what somebody else saw while they were playing alongside of me. And I just think it also helps tell the full complete picture of who Roy White was as a baseball player and as a human being yeah and it also just yeah gives gives you another angle as to what people were seeing um now honestly i really being a a blue jays fan a canadian i i was not uh you know into the into yankees history and, and and stuff growing up but so i didn't really know too much about roy white but um 
would you say that he's maybe the most underrated Yankee? I, I think he, he would have to be in the conversation, and he probably is the most underrated Yankee. Uh, and in the back of the book, you saw that there's an appendix, and in that appendix, it shows where he lists and where he falls among the all-time Yankee greats in so many different categories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Yankees have this thing out in the outfield called Monument Park where they honor the great ball players. And Roy White isn't out there yet. And it makes no sense. There's the, you know, last summer they retired Paul O'Neill's number. No one's saying they need to retire Roy White's number. But Roy White's not even in Monument Park. And he was a Yankee. He meant, I, I would argue, much more to the Yankees. And he had a much more impressive Yankee career than Paul O'Neill. And yet he's often forgotten about. And so one of my hopes with the book is that it brings Roy White's name back out there and maybe the Yankees do the right thing and and put him in Monument Park. Yeah, I I hope so too. Why do you think the Yankees have, for lack of a better word, maybe just overlooked uh, Roy White? I think that's a great question. When Roy White came up, the great Yankees of the 60s were still there. So Mickey Mantle was there. Roger Maris was there. Whitey Ford was there. Elston Howard was there. I mean, so when he first came up, he was overshadowed by giants of Yankees history. And then once he really started coming into his own, the great Yankee became Thurman Munson. And then the Yankees went out and they got big time guys who were very, um, there's a lot of personality, shall we say, like Catfish Hunter and Reggie Jackson and mm-hmm. Goose Gossage and, you know, Billy Martin was a larger than life figure. <laughs> and those guys got all the attention. And Roy White, along with other players like Willie Randolph and Chris Chambliss, among others, were more quiet guys in the background. And, and they didn't involve themselves in the trying to get on the back page of the Daily News and on the Post and, and that stuff. They, they stayed clear of the Yankee controversy. And so because of that, I think, um, obviously, people didn't read about him in the papers as much as they did guys like Reggie. And he's also a very classy guy. So he was never the guy who was looking to get into the newspaper or to tell secrets and, and to be that controversial figure. And then as time goes on, people tend to forget and uh, Bluntly, I think the reason the Yankees do these various things all the time, like retire players' numbers and such, is because it's a marketing thing. Like, hey, everybody loves Paul O'Neill. They still remember Paul O'Neill. Let's have a Paul O'Neill day. We can get a lot of people into the stands and make some money. Um, To be honest, I don't know how much a Roy White day would help fill Yankee Stadium. My favorite player was Greg Nettles. As, as I said before, he was the third baseman, and he's not in Monument Park. The Yankees don't even have a third baseman in Monument Park. It makes no <laughs> sense. Uh, and Nettles was the greatest third baseman. And as great as Nettles was, and he might one day be in the Hall of Fame, uh, I don't think Greg Nettles would fill the stadium the way a recent guy like Mariano Rivera or Paul O'Neill or Tino mm-hmm. Martinez or Derek Jeter would because they're just too many years removed, 40 years, and people tend to forget. So I think that's part of the reason. And I think part of the reason is probably the Yankees don't necessarily value those teams as much as they should, because you haven't seen a whole lot of events for those guys. And and the shame of it is they're all getting old. They're they're, they're in the mid-70s at this point, and it'd be nice Mm -hmm. for them to get recognized while they can still appreciate it. Yeah, it would be the it would be the perfect time to to do it for sure, especially now that the COVID is 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 
loosening and everything and people are, are getting out there more. Um, I want to go back to the beginning of his, of his, I guess, baseball career, even before it started. Um, you mentioned in the, in the title, even uh, from Compton to the Bronx, why, what made Compton such a hotbed for baseball talent? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, as you read the book, he played with so many future major leaguers, including a teammate, Reggie Smith, who he then played against in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him that, and he played against a couple guys who ended up in the NFL the one year he played football in, in high school. Um, I, I think th- there's a great book called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. When I was a principal, I I read that book and then I bought it for my entire staff. And we spent an entire school year going through that book, chapter by chapter. One of the things they talk about in that book, have you read it by any chance? No, no. no. All right. So one of the things they talk about in that book is this idea of uh, hotbeds, where all of a sudden, for whatever reason, places become areas where people just seem to all come out of the same type of place, all doing great things and Mm -hmm. be having these same skill sets. And I think there's something to the idea of when there's greatness around, it brings out the greatness in other people. And if you're playing baseball against a lot of great kids who have a lot of talent, they're going to bring out the talent in you. And if you don't have that talent, you're not going to last in in that league. And then that's probably going to also uh, influence scouts and other people to go, you know, there's a lot of good players playing in that area and they're going to come down. Also it's, you know, they could play year round. The weather was great and played baseball a lot. Roy White grew up in a family that did not have a whole lot. But one of the things he does mention in the book is the fact that his mom let him play ball. You know, she didn't say go get a job. He did have jobs of course, but she didn't force him to do things that would have taken him away from playing baseball. And she really she she encouraged her kids to get into the arts. I think you mentioned his his sisters in the arts as well. Like, mm-hmm. and and I think I think um, his his attitude in in life and just how he keeps his head down and 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 just is, is such a stand up kind of guy starts from his mother. That's a great point. Yeah, it sounds that way. And 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 I'm I'm telling you. You know, they say that heroes have clay feet, and a lot of people have a chance to meet the people they looked up to in their lives and they get disappointed. I have to tell you, I've worked with Roy White for a year now and there's no clay feet there. In in fact, his feet have become more and more solid each time I meet him and each time I talk to him. This is just a, a guy who was a great baseball player, but he's a better human being. Just salt of the earth, kind, generous, and he is exactly what he was portrayed with in, in the media as, as the classy Yankee, the guy who was kind and understanding and, and a human rather than just a baseball player. So um, he he's he is that type of person. He's just a good human being. And, and I think also uh, in the book, um, there people start to com- compare him to, to Lou Gehrig. And I think that's a, a, an apt comparison as well. Like Lou Gehrig never really was known until he, his disease was, 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 was out in, in the forefront and his streak was, was coming out. But, but uh, they, they have, a, they carry their, themselves in the same stature. You say in, in the book, it comes up a lot. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that was said by Raina Gron in the book. And right. I, I can't disagree with that. You know, uh, Lou Gehrig's whole career, he was overshadowed. He's overshadowed by Babe Ruth. And then uh, Ruth goes away, I guess, in 34 or 33. And in 36, Joe DiMaggio arrives. And, <laughs> and, and he becomes the big focus. And Lou Gehrig 
sadly becomes famous because of the fact that he obviously gets ALS and and has that whole tragic situation regarding his life. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's too bad he, he wasn't uh, the, the, the pre ALS wasn't wasn't highlighted more. Um, now, we're t- talking early career and everything. Um, I feel like Roy Roy's career was kind of affected with his kind of stops and starts like there was the military time um and and the players strike and even i think his shoulder injury happened early on in his career so there's lots of uh he, he had a bumpy road to start his career Did, could he have been a better player if, if if he had more playing time early on you know that's a great question um he did have a lot of bumps and starts. You know, one of the things that that, that I loved about talking, and I still do, about talking with Roy White is, you know, here's a guy, and 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 whenever we'd go out, most often somebody would recognize him and come over and be like, hey, Mr. White, how are you? I just want to say, all people my age or older, you were the best. Love you. Just got to mm-hmm. shake your hand. And then they'd leave. <laughs> and, and, and like... You'd, you'd think if your whole life is spent with people coming up and telling you how great you are all the time, you might get a big head, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> look at me. Um, instead, like, and I think, I don't know if you noticed this while reading, like every time he tells something great that happens, he then basically almost in the next sentence says how, well, it wasn't that great. Or, <laughs> you know, I was leading the team in home runs and then I stopped hitting home runs and, and <laughs> things like that. There's this modesty, uh, that this humbleness that that resonates throughout. So, yeah, the Yankees moved him up and down. He would get off to a great start. And then one of the problems he had early in his career, we were just talking about this a second ago, is, is when he was leading the team in home runs, he then started to think. Like, hey, I'm a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. And then he just started to try to jank the ball out of Yankee Stadium. And what it resulted in him is getting into bad habits. And is, I think he hit one home run the rest of the year. And and I think that was part of the learning process. You know, he figured out this is the way I'm playing and this is why I'm doing poorly. So could he have been better? I think we probably all look back and say we could have been better. But I think it's the journey that makes us who we are. Yeah, and, and he had a pretty kind of steady career up until, I would say, uh, he crossed paths with Billy Martin. Um, so I wonder, why, why do you think Billy Martin just wouldn't start Roy more often? He, he he never really gave him a consistent playing time. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that, that I couldn't answer because I can't get into Billy Martin's head. I think Billy <laughs> Martin— Nobody can. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, you know, growing up as a kid— these guys were all superheroes, right? Like, like I watched the Super Friends on TV, and then I watched the Yankees, right? They, mm-hmm. Like, the Yankees were were superheroes, which, to go off on a little tangent, when Thurman Munson died in 1979, I had a hard time processing that as an 11-year-old. Like, no, a, a Yankee can't die. I've got his poster on my wall. Mm-hmm. Thurman Munson's like Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, Heroes like that don't die. Somehow, as an 11-year-old, I could understand that Babe Ruth was dead because he was a long time ago. Like, But these are the guys that are playing today. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember being a kid at that time, not quite understanding why the Yankee manager was getting fired and rehired. <laughs> and there was all this controversy. Like, mm-hmm. I thought you should be a good guy if you were a Yankee. I don't understand what all this was about, trying to process all that. Um I think Billy Martin had his own way. And I think part of what Billy Martin wanted were more charismatic players, you Mm -hmm. know, like somebody who was going to be exciting. And Roy White, 
wasn't necessarily he did a lot of things that were exciting. He hit extra base hits. He stole bases. He leaped over the fence to catch home runs. He um, scored a lot of runs, but he also did things that weren't exciting, like he walked a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he he took the extra base uh, on a base hit to right field, which could be exciting. But if it's just perfunctory, it's not all that exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, led the league in sacrifice flies one year, led the league without making an error one year. And I, I don't know if that necessarily is the type of thing that gets people as excited as the three home runs in one World Series game like Reggie did. And Greg Nettles diving all over the place and, and the 78 World Series I think Roy White was more the type of player that went out, did his job quietly, and then went home. And yeah. maybe Billy Martin just sometimes when that happens, like the greatness that's happening in front of you, you don't notice because you're distracted by so many other things. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think if he had a different manager other than Billy Martin that maybe he, would, he wouldn't have ended his career and played in Japan? Again, that's a great question because Billy Martin didn't really play him much that last year. No. And and then he went to play in the Dominican or Puerto Rico, I forget. He went to play winter ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it was while he was there that he was scouted by the Yamiori Giants and was then offered a contract to play with them. The Yankees had offered him a contract, but it wasn't um, – how do you, how do you say it, it it was it wasn't really a fair offer it was yeah, kind yeah, of a low ball offer and yeah it was below him <laughs> yeah and so he was less inclined to take that deal and then he got this great offer to go to Japan and it was Roy White's a man of the world too he's he's very learned he read a lot you talk to players who played with him they talk about the fact that he had a book in his hand oftentimes mm-hmm. and i think there was a sense in his life that maybe it was time for a change and the opportunity to go to a different country and experience that culture, I think, was very appealing to him. And so, you know, if he had played all the time in 79 and if he had had a typical Roy White year, he probably would have been offered a bigger contract for 1980. Mm-hmm. He would have been more of a central figure on the Yankees. And so he probably wouldn't have gone to Japan. But but I don't think he regrets ever going to Japan. Yeah. And I think his, his what sent him to Japan uh, is what kept him from the Yankees, and that's his dignity. You know, like he, mm. he it, and and that's also what 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 ended up sending him into coaching because he he didn't want to he didn't feel like the, that Angels contract that was offered to him was 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 dignified or at least the way they wanted to to uh, I guess announce it. Um, how big of a shock do you think that that it was transitioning from uh, the the Yankees to the Giants, the Yomuri Giants? <laughs> Yes, I, I think it was a big shock and a big change. Japan, especially back then, did baseball a lot differently than than we do in America. Their spring training, if you call it that, was much more rigorous. Mm-hmm. They worked you extremely hard and, and they you know, punished you physically because they wanted you. They didn't want you to lose a game because of not being in shape. And, um, you know, one of the things that speaks to Roy White's character was once he went to Japan, the teammates basically said to him, you know, you don't have to do all these exercises and these routines. You're a Yankee. You're a world champion. Uh, and he did everything that his teammates uh, were expected to do, which ingrati- you know, it made, made him part of the team very quickly. And, and they respected him for that. So um, I think I lost your original question. Well, just the the culture shock. Between oh, the right. Two. So, yeah. but I think it was a, there weren't a whole lot of baseball players going to Japan at the time. Yeah, and they and, had a maximum of two per team. I think you said in the book. That too, is right? correct. Yep. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, you had to learn a brand new culture and, and, and figure out how to live there. But but he did quickly. He had a translator who he worked with who was named mm-hmm. Chiro, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, and he slowly became part of what Japan's culture was. And, and again, everything I've talked to him about was he talks about Japan in glowing, glowing terms. So mm-hmm. and to bring it back full circle, if it wasn't for Japan, for Japan scouting him, he would never have had the chance to scout uh, Matsui when when they were looking to sign him, and so so he to bring it back full circle, he 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 played a a role uh, bringing in an, uh, one of the most important players of of a new generation. That's correct, and he and Matsui are the only two guys to ever win a World Series with the greatest Japanese team, the Yamiuri Giants, and the greatest American team, um, the Yankees. Uh, World Series trophies wise, I, I don't know. About yeah, the correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that that's great. I really enjoyed the book. I'm looking forward to when it when it comes out. Um, I have a few more questions non-related to to Roy White though for you, if you have some time. Oh, I have as much time as you'd like. Oh, perfect. Well, um, now we're entering. We're still in the off season. Um, how did you feel about uh, about Aaron Judge, the Aaron Judge saga, him signing with with the Yankees? How how did that? Uh, how nervous were you? <laughs> During the season, there were times when I was convinced he wouldn't come back. The Yankees, if you recall, had a great first half last year, and the second mm-hmm. half, for a lot of it, was a disaster. They were just, they couldn't do anything right from yeah. the middle of July on. They just lost and lost and lost. But I think, you know, as as he saw the love that transpired during that home run chase, and, and even though the Yankees lost in the playoffs, um, the idea became uh, that he was much too important to the Yankees that it it seemed pretty obvious that they were going to bring him back. And if they didn't bring him back, it was going to be a disaster. Yeah. There hasn't been many times the Yankees haven't brought back their star player. I, the, I, I, I take issue with the Yankees for being a little too reticent, a little too lackadaisical. They let some big time players go. I'll probably never forgive them for not signing Bryce Harper. Boy, did I want him. Um, but it's not often that the great Yankees leave. Mm-hmm. Robinson Cano left. Andy Pettit left for a couple of years. But those are the only two I can really think about who left in their prime and homegrown guys. So I don't think the Yankees had a choice. They had to bring Aaron Judge back. And and I think the contract's fair. I think it's great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely thrilled. $40 million a year is, is fair. Are you are you worried about the back end of that contract, though? I am. My, my worry with the Yankees isn't that they can't afford the salary. My worry with the Yankees is that they look at the luxury tax. Now, this is a, a spoiled Yankee fan talking, right? Like, all I want them to do is win and go 162 and 0 every year and win the World Series. That's mm-hmm. that's that's a successful season for me. Like that's <laughs> and Yankee fans, Yankee fans, you know, get a bad rap because you know we haven't won since 2009, and other teams like we haven't won like the since 1986. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> how spoiled are you? But but mm-hmm. that's sort of comes with the territory, I guess. And Mm-hmm. And and I'm reasonable enough to know that you can't win it all the time. But my worry with the contract is just simply like if the Yankees are going to make sure that they always under the luxury tax and Aaron Judge's contract is eating up $40 million of that um, salary commitment that the team can make, that could get in the way of them getting other players that could help them win. So that's that's my only concern. So you're afraid that they'll become the Red Sox? 
I'm afraid that the lack like the Red Sox have the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and like the Rangers did when they had a rod in the early 2000s. Yeah. And, 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 and the Dodgers are kind of flirting with that a little bit this year. Um, but, you know, I, I would say other than, than, than judge and, and Carlos Rodon, it's been a relatively quiet off season for the Yankees signings wise. Um, what did you expect more um, from the shortstop? Like, um, there was a lot of rumors out there about Carlos Correa going to the Mets, but was there any chance that he would he would come to the Yankees? I didn't think the Yankees were going to do anything with shortstop. They haven't. They've they've let a lot of shortstops go by the board. A couple of years ago, I wanted them to be all in on Francisco Lindor. I thought mm-hmm. he was the guy to get. Um, went to the Mets, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't have any thoughts that they were going to be players last year or the year before with all those Trevor Story and Marcus Simeon and Carlos Correa and. Um, Corey Seager and all those guys. I didn't think the Yankees were going to play there because they have a couple of great young prospects who are shortstops. Oswald Peraza, Anthony Volpe. Mm -hmm. These are the guys that they think are going to be the core of the next great team. And while we've all been burned waiting for the great next prospect to be great, and they don't necessarily always turn out that way, this is the way the Yankees are thinking. And I have to trust that they know what they're doing because they do. Um, so I didn't think they were being taught and involved in shortstop, but I'm very frustrated that they haven't addressed left field. They And they basically intimated that at the judge signing, like, yeah, we have mm-hmm. work to do yet. We'll get a good left fielder here. And right now they're looking at like Oswald Cabrera, who's an infielder in the minor leagues and was pretty good last year. But how do you know what he's going to do? He's not really an outfielder and Aaron mm-hmm. Hicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has not been very good the last few years. So I was hoping they'd go out and they'd, do something to get a big time left fielder to help the team. Maybe maybe Brian Reynolds fills that hole somehow, but he's more of a center fielder. But the, you know, they, it, it's a moving moving pieces. Those the outfield can be. Um, one more Yankees question for you, or maybe maybe a couple more. Um, what do you make of them hiring Brian Sabian and Omar Minaya this past week? They're, they're two kind of not notoriously numbers guys uh, in the past week that uh, they they've they've added on to their their uh, front office. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> um, by and large, I think Brian Cashman's been a great general manager. I think he's done a very, very, very good job. The Yankees are always in it. Um, but the Yankees haven't gotten to the promised land in a long time now. And, you know, n- everybody, myself included, when I was a principal and a school leader for decades, we all have blind spots. And there are things that we just can't see. And we think that we know the right way. And it's not necessarily the right way. Um or there could be a better way. Our way could be really effective, but there could even be a better way. And and I think Brian Sabian and Omar Minaya are going to come in and challenge Brian Cashman's thinking. I think he was 100% behind bringing them in. I think that shows the mark of a great leader. A great leader is someone who wants to hear opposing perspectives and viewpoints because it's going to help the organization be better. Um I didn't always love it when the teachers challenged me, but I had some (laughs) phenomenal teachers in my school who would sometimes come into my office and say, can I close the door and talk? And I'd always be like, oh, no. And, you know, they tell me, like, you know, what we're doing right now, it's not so great. The message you tried to give at the faculty meeting, they didn't quite understand it. Everybody's confused. Um, And, boy, you want people to say, you're the greatest ever. You're the greatest principal we ever have. Everything you do is perfect, but that's not how you grow. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. while it's not fun to have somebody tell you like you could do better, 
you need to have people who feel comfortable to come in your office, close the door, sit down and tell you, you can do better. And we need you to do better. And and it made me a better principal, made me a better leader. And I think those people are going to do the same for Cashman. That doesn't mean he's not good. Doesn't mean he couldn't, but it doesn't, but it also doesn't mean he can't be better because we all can. Yeah. And I guess Cashman kind of played that role with George Steinbrenner. So he needs, he needs someone to, to kind of have his ear for that. Um, now, do you think that the Yankees are the team to beat for the uh, East division champions? It's a tough call. I think your Toronto Blue Jays are, are very good. They have so many good young players. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of outs in the Yankee lineup. I think people think because they led the league in run score, they're going to score a lot of runs. But, boy, they don't have great hitting catchers. The, we're not sure what's going to happen at shortstop. Josh Donaldson didn't really hit last year. We don't know who's playing left field. John Carlos Stanton as the DH didn't hit. Harrison Bader is going to play center. Some people think that his stat cast numbers say that he's been unlucky and that he's going to thrive in Yankee Stadium. But I'm not 100% convinced. So you look at it's a lot of outs in the lineup. So – but the Yankees have a phenomenal starting pitching staff. Boy, it looks like maybe the best staff I've seen in decades, maybe ever for the Yankees. So it might be a different type of Yankee team that wins a lot of 3-2 games and 2-1 to one mm. games. Um, I think odds on are they have to be considered one of the favorites. And if they could somehow get a lot of production out of the hitters, I think that, that, that there's no doubt about that, that they're going to be great. But so, yes, I, I I would predict them right now being the favorites in the American League East. Yeah, it's 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 scary. <laughs> um, now, we, I'm going to bring it back to Lou Gehrig a little bit here. Um, we, we were talking about him before and also you're running. I uh, see so your, your, your bib in the background there. Uh, you on your blog, were talking about kind of a, a, a Gehrig type streak that you accomplished last year. You ran every day for a year. Can you, how did, how did you do that? Why did you do that? <laughs> the why is, is <laughs> probably something I can't answer. Um, it, yeah, it was a Gehrig-like streak. I ran every day for the entire year in 2022, and that's the running book I'm writing. I'm I'm, I'm okay. editing it now. So basically, it's going to be the tale. Hopefully, it's very motivational of me running every day from uh, an entire year. Like, this is what happened on January 5th. This is what happened on January 6th. But it's not just going to be, I ran three miles. Next day, mm-hmm. I ran four miles. It, it's, it's more than that. It's sort mm-hmm. of like my life. But this is how you motivate yourself over the course of a year to do something that's that's silly or absurd. But it's always been on my mind, like, I wonder if I could run every day for a year. I've run 23 marathons. Um, I used to be an ancient uh, history teacher. That's when I started. And I taught about the ancient Greeks and we would talk about the Battle of Marathon. I'd posters mm-hmm. in my room about from marathons that kids would bring me and things like that. And in the back of my mind, I was always like, I should try that. But I did. 20 some odd years ago and I ran New York and it hooked me. It was just the most amazing thing in the world to have millions of people in New York cheering for you as you're running. It's just, (laughs) it's euphoric. Mm -hmm. Um, You think they're all there for you, even though there's 50,000 runners and they're all there for everybody but you, (laughs) but it feels like they're there for you. And and Mm. it was euphoric. And so as you do stupid things, you think of other stupid things to do. And one of the things was I'd like to see if I could run every day for a year. Do I have it in me? And I did. And and uh, uh, so, yeah, that that was that was fun. I ran on January 1st of this year Mm -hmm. because I wanted to just keep the streak going. But I made the conscious decision on January 2nd to not run. I wrote about that on the the blog. Um, 
because I didn't want to find myself getting into another streak and being like, oh, well, maybe I could do it again. I didn't want to do it again. That wasn't the purpose. It wasn't Mm -hmm. the purpose wasn't to run every day for the rest of my life. It was to run every day for a year. So a little bit of sanity prevailed on January 2nd where I convinced myself, let it go. It's okay. Yeah, no, I'm 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 a a, a runner too. I'm I'm working my way up, hopefully to a half marathon this this year. I've I've run them before, but even getting out there, you know, three times a week is 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 tough. So so good job getting out there every day for a year, and good job. I I I wonder if it was harder to stop running than it was to keep going. <laughs> I got to tell you, January second, I'm like, well, ah, maybe, maybe. Let me go. Ah, no, don't. So yeah, there was a lot of mental gymnastics going on that day, no doubt. For sure. It's, 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 it's hard to get your mind around just starting the run. I find the first kilometer and the last kilometer being Canadian metric is, are, are always the hardest. Um, Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, the book is Roy White from Compton to the Bronx, uh, out April 11th and you're, you're working on a running book. I'll be interested to, to check that one out too, being a, a runner and a, a, a baseball consumer while I run <laughs> listening to podcasts. So, so yes, great. Thank, thanks for joining me. That's great. Thank you so much, Matt. This was this was so much fun. Thank you. And we're back. Now it's time, I guess, to do our. That was the first of all. Thanks to Paul for for joining me. Um, like I said, I, I I just it's it's really great to be able to talk to uh, to people all over the world about about baseball. And you know we don't we don't give the Yankees a lot of uh, attention because you know they're a big. They get enough the attention. They get a lot of attention. That's true. Um, yeah. So so nice nice to talk to Paul. Uh, it was a fun talk, and I'm looking forward to to our many more interviews to come uh, with with lots of great baseball people. Um, so yeah, let's let's do the Titans check. in. you want to you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So they they keep uh, they keep coming out with with news. They uh, they're mm-hmm. putting their team together for 2023. Uh, they re-signed a couple of players. Um, I I don't have the the list in front of me, so I guess I'll have to click through because I just have last names. Uh, Larson and Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah, I don't have uh, their positions or anything loaded up. I saw the email, but... Uh, uh, okay, let's see. So Grant Larson and Nelson Gonzalez. They're both pitchers. Uh, Larson and is a lefty, and Gonzalez is a, is a righty. Yep. Uh, so uh, they're they're filling out their pitching staff, and uh, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And then finally, I'll, I'll take the musical uh, one here. The, the Titans are looking for anthem singers. So if you feel like you uh, have the pipes to uh, sing the national anthem, uh, the send 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 your your YouTube or your your demo tape. Send your demo tape to the to to the Titans. They want they, they yeah like for to... uh, for the home opener. I can't remember her name, but they have uh, they had the the anthem singer that uh, that they use a lot at the Ottawa Senators games. Uh, oh, okay. It was a really good singer, but for the most part, I think they just had um, like a, an instrumental uh, playing for the for the anthem. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, they can get some more live singers. That would be pretty good for them. Yeah, I, I am not. I, I do sing myself, but I'm not going to sing the national anthem. Uh, that's not my my uh, forte. But if you do, if you feel like uh, the national anthem is your forte, uh, send an email to contact at ottawatitans dot com uh, with your. I guess you can't email a demo tape. But uh, yeah. 
Um, mail yeah, mail your demo tape. You could you could mail it in. Mail in, record it on cassette. I think that that will make you stand out. Yes, exactly. It'll be like the, the it'll be like the eighties. That's how 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 like Cindy Lauper got her start or whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we let's uh, let's check in with the senators for sends from home. Okay. Cue the horns. Um, so, uh, not a, not a great three games, uh, since we last talked, like they had that, uh, really bad loss against Seattle. We mentioned that one. I, I almost thought we didn't, but, uh, let's, let's not talk about that one anymore. Uh, they, they went on to lose three, nothing versus, uh, Nashville as, uh, we're talking about the, uh, the Nashville stars, stars but they lost to the Nashville predators, um, then they did break up their losing streak, though. It was just a two-game losing streak. They won 5-3 to three versus Arizona. And I have some notes about that one. I I watched part of the game. Um, it On TV, it had some weird camera angles. Uh, this is at the Mullet Arena, which is... Well, because like they're not set up for... for yeah, it, it's, a, for it's a college <laughs> or university stadium or whatever. Um, but uh, some people I saw online liked the camera angles. Uh, I don't know, maybe... It, it, it was just different to see. I I couldn't quite place my finger on why it was it was weird, but maybe that they were just a little bit closer because it's a smaller arena. But um, well, this being an audio podcast, it's yeah. kind of hard to convey. Um, they that game was also the hundredth career win for DJ Smith as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an incident early in the game that uh, um, so Arizona's Clayton Keller cross checked. Uh, Eric Brandstrom um, that uh, he got for that he got a game misconduct and a five minute major um, he was fined five thousand dollars afterwards which is apparently the max allowable fine um, I don't know if it's for that offense or just in general but um, it, it's good because it was it was a pretty bad cross check he kind of like hit Brandstrom in the in the chin uh, oh. so that was uh, that was not so great I don't think at one point in that five-minute major, uh, Arizona took another penalty, so it was uh, a five-on-three for a little bit, but I don't think they scored. Um, okay. it, it, they should have, but Arizona actually had a, a pretty good penalty kill in that, uh, and they and just the Senators couldn't get in the zone with it, and uh, they, they didn't look too good. And then last night, Saturday, they lost 7 nothing versus Colorado. Um, so that's not also not great. Uh, so in the last three games, they were outscored, um, what, uh, 13 to five, if I'm doing the math right there. Uh, so that's, uh, that's not, that's, it, it's not easy to, to win games when you're getting outscored by that much. Um, coming up, they've got games against St. Louis, uh, two games against Pittsburgh, and then I'm going to this one because you got me tickets. Uh, they're they're playing uh, Winnipeg in Ottawa, uh, so uh, hopefully they can they can get some some wins there. But uh, they're fa- facing some tough teams, and I think they lost against Winnipeg earlier in this season already. Okay, uh, in a not so great game. And and just to to close things off, we talked about it in uh, before the end of the year. Uh, apparently the price for Eric Carlson from San Jose is three first round picks 
Uh, and uh, I think San Jose would retain 18% of his salary. Uh, so this is definitely not a good deal for Ottawa. So I don't think you'll see Carlson returning to the Senators anytime now, soon. Here, here's my question. Is this kind of like a negotiating tactic on San Jose's side? Are they saying that maybe like like if, if whatever team that picks up Carlson, what if they take on more salary and have, have to give up less draft picks? To no, get- no, if... Uh, well, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. If San Jose retains less than 18, um, percent yeah, yeah. Well, obviously that's the starting point. But if the starting point is three first round picks and they're only retaining 18 percent of the salary, uh, you can imagine that uh, from going from there, it still would be a pretty bad deal for the Senators uh, to even give up any first round picks in the deal. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think I, my my guess is that it's 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 they're they're just San Jose is trying to get whatever team trades for him to to pick up the the salary more. But we'll have to to wait and see from that end. Hopefully, if Ottawa does get him, they don't have to give up a thousand first round picks. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some non sporting related things. All right, I finished my coffee. We're back. Uh, we're going to talk about some personal things. Uh, you have an error on uh, that you want to talk about. This oh week. yeah. Um, so this isn't an error on my part. It's it's something I read about, um, and uh, it's it's about uh, the game company Hasbro. Um, it's uh, it, they have. I, I didn't know this, but there's a gaming company called Wizards of the Coast which they do a lot of like um, role-playing games and, and whatnot. And uh, Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, which I didn't know about this. But um, through this... I don't this, even know what this Coastal <clears throat> Wizards game is. I, I have no idea what this no, is. Anyways, uh, through this, uh, they so basically the, the, uh, the end of the line is Hasbro owns the, the rights to the, the game Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm sure you've heard of. Well, I didn't game. know that Hasbro owned that, but I know Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. I didn't know that they owned them either. Um, so I, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but you know it comes up often enough in popular culture, um, and like pretty much all that I know about it is is uh, from what it, like the the little bit that's relayed in in TV and movies. Uh, apparently, there's a movie coming out based on Dungeons and Dragons. By the way, oh, I think I've Chris heard about Pine. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so one of the things is that. Um, the the game has what's called an open game license agreement and uh the short version is basically uh people who play the game and run run campaigns or whatever they can sell things related to the like they can create what's called a campaign and sell it and earn money through this license and uh and what happened is basically Hasbro wanted to modify the license uh, in that um um so companies that make over $750,000 will start to have to pay Hasbro um, a 25% cut of their earnings. Um, so let's see. Basically, uh, the other thing that they've done is is uh, they've modified their license so that Hasbro basically owns these, these things that fans are creating. I know it says companies making money, but... Um, uh, they had to backtrack that and, and say that nobody will have to pay fees, but it's uh, 
it's kind of a, a slap in the face to fans who are who are making their own things and, and selling and making money for their own intellectual property through a license that before gave them free reign, but now it's being like retroactively uh, changed. So basically it, it's making, making it that uh, like they're, it, it, it's bad for the, for the fans is, is what it boils down to. So, um, and, and also seeing as how Hasbro backtracked some of their changes, uh, clearly an error on their part. I see. So, and, and, and I'm not sure how this relates to your, uh, fandom of Dungeons and Dragons and oh, no, because you don't play, but not, nothing at all. It's just, I, I, I don't, uh, it, it's not good when companies change, uh, licensing agreements and, and ownership of, uh, especially fan content. Uh, it's, uh, it's not a good look for any company. So it's just overall a, uh, a bad thing. Well, they usually do bad. it in, in, in secret when you when you click on the I agree to, to terms of the <laughs> of whatever it is. But yes, um, no, it's not good to do that. But yes, uh, yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, it's it's a very popular game. I'm, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, so yeah, I, I'll go with my strikeout for for the week. Uh, where kids are back in school and uh, after Christmas break, and so uh, they lasted uh, a full uh, three days before uh, Bo got sick again from being back at preschool. So that's that's my strikeout. Uh, dealing with with sick kids after a, a two week kind of hiatus where they weren't really in contact with other children. So now that they're back in contact, the, the the sickness season has has started again. So it, that that's kind of weird, though. Like you know, someone out there is the first first kid. They have the first kid to get sick, but then where did where did their kid get sick? And and like, what comes first, the the disease or 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 the kid? I I don't know. It's uh, this is like I'm gonna guess the egg situation. Like I, I'm I don't gonna know guess going they ate something off the floor. That's how it started. Um. Well, my strikeout is. Uh, I, I think I talked about this last week, uh, but. Uh, car batteries um last week i mentioned that uh, the car wouldn't start when we came back from from vacation and uh we got it boosted and it started all right and and all week it was running without needing a boost uh but i took it in on friday and they said that uh, it needed a new battery so i had to replace that and uh so Mm -hmm. that's in the span of uh less i would say like what uh, maybe six months over the last six months had to replace both car batteries in, in our, in our cars. So, uh, I, I, that, that is a strikeout for me, uh, car batteries and having to yeah. replace them. Uh, and, and, and so many, so many like triple A's that you gotta, you gotta fit them all in there. It's just difficult. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think ours, uh, they, they take the D batteries. Oh, the D batteries. Those are, those are, they're expensive though. That's, that's tough. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So my no decision for the week, um, I've, I started running a little bit more outside, uh, cause we had, we had a little bit of a, a, a nice weather window. Um, and I just forgot how much of a mental or a physical grind that outdoor running is because treadmill, when I usually run on the treadmill, I've been running on the treadmill for, you know, all of December basically. And it's, it's a mental grind. It's hard to, to kind of st- stick with it on, on the tre- treadmill cause you can, you're, you're kind of trapped in one place, but it is easier on the body I've discovered. Uh, and just outdoor running is just hard on is, is, is harder on the body for it's, it's, I forgot how hard it was. And well, have, and yeah, yeah, the treadmill being like, um, a, a consistent surface to run on. Yes. Definitely yes. easier. Yeah. But like just being stuck in one spot, 
um, is, 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 is a lot to kind of, kind of, is a big hurdle to, to jump over. So, so it's kind of like, you know, you gotta, you gotta weigh your, weigh your options. Um, cause yeah, I'm, I want to try to, uh, to, 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 uh, do the half marathon in this spring, but, uh, between kids getting, getting sick and me catching that and, and just, just the, the, the hard weather, um, it's going to be difficult to kind of build my way up to to 21 kilometers. I, I I've outside. I'm at my 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 kind of uh, limit right now. Lately has been 10 kilometers per run. Indoors, I can do a little bit longer, but uh, I got to. I have to be able to 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 run up to 21 kilometers outdoors in order to 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 uh, be ready for that half marathon. So it's yeah, be yeah. Difficult. Being set up in uh, indoors is uh, is is not the most ideal like I, that's why I, I don't always like uh setting up the the bike the my bike on the stationary thing because yeah it, you're not going anywhere and and uh it's it's a lot easier to change your your gears and and adjust there's not the as much terrain. resistance there's not as much resistance yeah. that way so i mean it, and there's only so much uh like sometimes I I try to play video games while I'm on there and and change change the gear or some, or watch TV or whatever. But I don't know about your treadmill, but the the stationary bike thing is is loud, so it's it's uh, it can be hard to hear what you're watching or or doing. Well, for for the treadmill, it is it is a little bit noisy, but I I I, I can listen to podcasts. It has actually I, I have in. Um, earlier, like last year, I was I was actually like I was binge watching uh, Succession uh, because I had my, my my Bluetooth set up to the to the treadmill w- with the iPad. So I was doing that at one point uh, on the treadmill. So so the, it, it's it's the sound is, is is okay on the treadmill. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, what are we doing? No decision here. Yeah. So I yeah. I have uh, shoveling as my no decision. Um, so uh, it's. Uh... It, we had a, a fairly significant storm again, I guess, uh, this this last, uh, what was it, Thursday night into Friday. And um, by the way, a side note, why do all the winter storms so far happen on Friday uh, so that and, 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 and make, make schools closed on, on, on the last day of the week? This is not fair. I don't know, some sort of conspiracy, I guess. Um, but uh, so no decision because, uh, of course... It's uh, it's it's annoying to have to shovel in the first place and having so much snow, but uh, it is kind of satisfying to clear out, uh, you know, your parking space and have like this perfect area, uh, you know, shoveled out and cleaned. Uh, it, it, it's a uh, it's that part of it I find satisfying um, and uh, and nice to see, but to have to do it in the first place is uh, is is not not so fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not a fan of snow. Um, all right, so let's go to my let's go to the home run. Um, so my home run for the, for the week is is that we are entering into cozy socks season, and as I, I I'm saying this as I'm currently not wearing socks, but uh, it's nice to uh, at the end of the night to have some nice cozy socks, uh, some you know some some and and, and at the end of the night and 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 just. Some, some warm feeling on your feet uh, in the you know, on these cold winter days. I will I will argue that you know cozy sock season started you know before Christmas, but you know that's it, it is nice to to have uh, warm socks and and uh, and not be hot. I guess well it depends on your own inner body temperature as to when cozy sock season. Maybe some people cozy sock season starts in in in, in the mid, middle of summer. I don't know, but for me it's when it starts to get really cold and I have to keep my socks on after putting the kids to bed. But it's nice to have that nice warm 
feelings surrounding your feet uh, on a cold winter's night. Well, my home run uh, to finish things off is, uh, and, and I guess technically it, it applies here. We're crossing things off from our list of things to podcast about. Is My home run is, is crossing things off from lists and uh, been doing that all week, basically. Uh, we had a, a bunch of things that we needed to pick up for the house, so we, we crossed all those off, off the list. Um, you definitely can't see the the results of my work yesterday but my my computer desk down here was very messy and i i spent a good chunk of time cleaning it up so now it's nice and neat i still have the rest of uh of the basement down here that i want to tidy up because it's it's a little messy and uh but that's that's part of my list of things to do and so eventually i'm going to cross that off but it's it's nice to to see things complete and and crossed off the list Yes, it's nice to do that. I feel like you, you've, you, this has been uh, on your list of, of home runs before, so I think you need to uh, make sure you cross that off your list again after this episode. Well, it, it, it's okay to, to have a recurring item. I see, I see. Anyways, but that, that speaking of crossing off the list, I think we've crossed off everything to talk about for this week. I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine there being as much news this week uh as <laughs> this coming week as I think it would need week, to be but... a blockbuster to come back next week. Yeah, and I don't have any interviews scheduled so I think we'll we'll probably uh come back in a, in in a couple weeks time. Yeah. This has been a pretty jam packed. Yeah, this has been a pretty another jam packed episode with a with last week we had a really great uh guest Tom comedian Tom Dreesen this week we had a great guest uh Dr. Paul Semendinger so so you know maybe maybe a a a a special guest will will drop out of the blue but uh in the meantime I think we'll see everybody or talk to everybody in a couple of weeks okay. bye 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 bye